It's a choice to go all in with God and a choice to refuse to live our lives aimlessly in a purposeless way. This message is the seventh in the series, I Will Not Settle. The message is entitled, Overcoming the Obstacles to Change. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, get your teaching sheets out as we're wrapping up this final message in the series, I Will Not Settle. And as you saw a few moments ago on today's weekend announcements, uh, the important of, importance of our next series, we'll be looking at the statement, I will go deeper. And so we're looking at five choices that you need to make in your life to lead you to the more life. And as I said, we're wrapping up today. Choice number one, I will not settle for less. God made me for more. Today, I want to talk to you about overcoming the obstacles to change, overcoming the obstacles to change. Jesus, during his ministry, made a very important statement to help us to understand his plan for our lives and also the adversary, the devil's plan for our lives. See, the devil has a plan for your life and Jesus has a plan for your life. And the plans are very opposite and very clearly described by Jesus. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the devil. He comes to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy you. I have come, Jesus said, that they may, that's those who know him, may have life, that they may have it, what's that next word there? More abundantly. Jesus has a more life for you. The part of experiencing the more life we have to make, if we're going to do that, we have to make right decisions. And there are all kinds of decisions that need to be made. And that first decision, as we're looking at in this series, is the decision to say, I will not settle for less. I want all that God has for me. I want the more life. I want the abundant life. I want to make sure that I don't leave anything on the field when life is over, that I've done my best and lived my best for the glory of God and fulfilled His plan. That is the more life. There are all kinds of things that will get in the way of your journey toward a more life. And one of those things that often gets in the way it involves your willingness to change. And I want to talk to you today about five things that you need to understand about change in your life that will be essential to you experiencing the more life. The first thing is that change is required if we're going to experience more. You will never have more in God unless you're willing to make some changes. Not settling means that I am going to change. If you keep doing the same things the same way, you can't expect different results. That's called insanity. Anytime you continue to do the same thing the same ways and you expect something to be different, it's never going to happen. And so if our life is going to embrace more, there's some things that need to change. For example, if you want better health, more health, you have to change your patterns of eating and exercise. If you want more financial resources, you have to get better at, change some things about the way you manage your finances. If you want a better or more fulfillment in your marriage, you have to change some things about your relationship with your spouse. It's true in business and any realm of life to have more, you have to make changes. One of the very first messages that Jesus gave us as he began his earthly ministry is found in Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read a portion of it for you in a moment, but let me set it up for you so you'll understand the context of this message. It's something he not only started with, but he, he includes throughout his entire earthly ministry. 
After Jesus was baptized on that great event where he was taken down into the Jordan River in Matthew chapter 3, and he comes up out of the waters and the Holy Spirit descends upon him and God speaks from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's a great moment. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness where he's tempted by the adversary for 40 days. He comes out of the wilderness, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit, and he begins his ministry. Now, it's very significant to note what Jesus preached on in his first message. Would you say his first message is very important? He's setting the tone for what he's going to talk about, what's going to be the theme. It's the first message that he's publicly spoken. And here we find a portion of that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to tell people that as he continued, he started and continued to tell people, turn to God and, what's that next word? Circle that word on your notes. Turn to God and change. Change the way you think and act because the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus said, here's my message to you. I want you to turn to God. That is, turn away from your own life and turn away from, obviously, the ways of the devil and to turn to God and to make sure that changes are happening in the way that you think and the way that you act. Your life will never improve until you accept and welcome positive changes in your life. And by the way, when you refuse to change, anytime you and I refuse to change in the right ways, we're actually playing God because God is the only one that never changes. In Malachi chapter 6, chapter 3, verse 6, the scripture says, I, the Lord, do not change. God doesn't change, but we need to change. The second thing that we must understand is that the primary changes that we need in life are internal and not external. As you go through the scriptures and you see references to change, even what we just read from Jesus, it's important to realize what he's really talking about. And he's not initially talking about outward changes. He's talking about inside changes because changing the wrong things never bring the, will bring the right results. You can change the wrong things all day and not improve anything in your life. So you've got to change the right things if you're going to have the right results. And often as I have conversations with people and they describe some of the problems they're going through in life, we begin to talk about solutions. I often hear external solutions to internal problems. Oh, pastor, I'm just going to, I'm going to move to a new city. And when I move to a new city, everything's going to be different. Or pastor, I'm going to get a new job. And when I get a new job, everything's going to be different. Or I'm going to get a new house. When I get the new house, everything's going to be different. You know, the problem with all three of those, any place you go, you take you with you. So wherever you arrive, you carry the problems often that are in you, with you, and the externals generally never solve any major problems in your life. They're not, I'm not saying they're not times to make external changes in your life, but they're not the primary place of change for your life. God says the primary changes happen on the inside. I'll give you a little cue here to understand something. Religion, you'll always recognize religion versus a relationship with God. Religion gives you a set of rules to obey externally. A relationship with Christ always changes you internally. And Jesus was very clear about this. He addressed not just the externals of life. He addressed the internals of life. Notice what he said in Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 18. Again, words of Jesus. Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into their stomach, then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all food clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. 
For it is from within, notice that little phrase there, it is from within, out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Now notice that's the, all those, that, that category, that laundry list of stuff in life that are evil things. Sexual immorality, where does it start? In your heart. Theft, where does it start? It's not an action externally before you compromise your morals internally. Murder. You don't kill someone with words or actions until you hate them on the inside. Hatred is what produces murder. We could go on and on with each of these, but Jesus said you've got to understand something. It's not just the outward stuff that's the issue. It's what's going on down in the heart. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Now, this doesn't mean that external changes don't need to be made. Obviously, we need to make some external changes. But the right external changes that are made in life always start from the inside out. And here's the good news. God specializes in internal changes. That's God's specialty. God knows how to do things with people's heart. And he can do something with your heart and my heart. He specializes in it. And this change is what we need. It's primary. Number three, third thing. God's call for change always confronts our stubbornness and resistance to change. God's call for us to change always confronts something. It comes face to face with something in us called stubbornness and something in us called resistance. I want you to follow this sequence with me today. Jesus said, I want you to experience the more life. Don't settle for less. God made you for more. If you're going to experience more, you have to change, right? You can't have the more without some changes in your life. And the first, change, first area of change that's required is where? Inside you, right? It's not changing stuff out here. It's changing stuff in here. And so, again, I'm on the journey to more. It's going to require change. The change is something in me that has to be worked on. And as soon as God begins to point out things in your life and my life that He wants us to change and work on, here's the natural tendency is to resist Him. Instead of saying yes, we tend to dig in our heels and say, no, God, I want life my way instead of your way. Don't tell me what to do. And that's even as Christian believers, we can do that. We can dig in our heels and we can resist God's call to make changes in our life. I would ask you today, what area of change do you feel like that God is calling you to make in your life right now that would change, that would move you further in your relationship with Him? And is there any resistance, is there any stubbornness inside of you right now that's keeping you from making those changes? Now, at the root of this stubbornness, at the root of this, this resistance, are two things that I want to talk about just briefly today. The first thing is pride. Pride is like, God, don't tell me what to do. I know what's best for my life. I've got this covered. And for some folks, it's, I'm not even going to admit that I have a problem. Or if there is a problem, I'm going to blame it on someone else. That's our human tendency is to say, okay, God, you're telling me to change. I don't need to change. Go talk to somebody else. It's not me. It's them. It's not me, it's that person that needs to change. And so instead of accepting responsibility and own it, we tend to deflect it and push it away from us. And that's a pride response. Or to simply say, I don't have any issues. Everybody else has them. It's not me that's the problem. And so pride rises up and says, I'm not going to address this. I'm not going to let God tell me what to do in my life. I'm going to live my life my way. But there's another thing that comes up when God begins to call people to change, and that is fear, pride and fear. 
pride is one aspect, fear is the other. I'm going to talk to you about five fears that will get in the way of you making the changes that you need to make in your life so that you can experience the more. These are extremely important and they're, they're, they're ways that we can conquer them, but we must be aware of these five areas. Number one is the fear of loss. That when God comes to you and says, I want you to change this in, in, in your life. I want you to give this to me. I want you to move forward with me in this area. There's a tendency to be afraid of what we're going to lose. What will I lose if I make this change? What, what am I risking? What is God asking me to give up? You know, I'm not sure if I give God a blank sheet of paper that I can really trust that he's going to do what's really best for my life. I want to control my life and I'm afraid of what I'm going to lose. Peter had this issue in his relationship with Jesus one day. He said, Jesus, we have given up everything to follow you. What are we going to get out of this? How are we going to live our lives now as we go into our future? What is in store for us in the days to come? And Jesus answered him in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. Everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as much. In essence, Jesus was saying, Peter, you can't give up too much for me. I promise you that whatever you give, I will make sure that you're always well taken care of. Don't be afraid of what you'll lose because I promise you that whatever God ever asks you to give up for him, there's always a greater gain on the other side of it. But the devil comes along and says, you know, if you give this up to God, if you change this in your life, you're going to lose this. It's a lie of the adversary. You need to confront it with the truth of the fact that God is a good God and you can never outgive to him. The second thing is the fear of cost. What is it going to cost me? If I make this change in my life, what, what will it cost me in terms of my time? Am I going to have to give more time to God? Or what's it going to cost me in terms of my energy or my effort or maybe even my financial resources? What will it cost me? And it's the fear that I'm going to have to let go again of something that, that is valuable to me. There was a young man that came to Jesus one day and he, he was interested in eternal life. He wanted to know how to go to heaven. So he asked Jesus, hey, master, you know, I, I want to go to heaven. How, how does somebody get to heaven? I'm paraphrasing here. And Jesus said, well, how about the commandments? How are you doing with those? And the young man said, well, you know, I've kept all the commandments since I was a, a, a child. And so I think I'm doing pretty good on the commandment side. But Jesus looked into this young man's heart and realized something, realizing that he was very wealthy. He also realized something else. It was not a matter of him having a lot of wealth. It was a matter of the fact that the wealth had him. He was holding on to his money. And so Jesus said to this young man, go sell all you have and give your money to the poor. It was a moment of decision. In fact, Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, the one thing you lack is this thing that you're holding on to. You're worried about the cost of following God, that you're going to have to pay a price that is far too much than you're willing to pay. One thing you lack. And the Bible says that this young man walked away sadly and he missed his opportunity for a relationship with God because he loved his possessions more than he was willing to love God. Dear ones, understand something. Whatever the cost is, whatever the loss might be, it's always worth it to say yes to God. Number three, it's the fear of pain. How much hurt will I have to endure to make this change? Because most changes are painful at some level. It's not always easy to make changes in your life. It hurts. If you've gone to the gym, you're familiar with the phrase, no pain, no gain. 
And it's true in any realm of life, unless there's some pain, there will never be any gain. And so it's true in our spiritual journey as well. If we're going to go further with God, it's going to require some pain on our part. It's not going to be always easy on the front end, but there will be a blessing on the back end. Jesus, it says in in Hebrews chapter 12, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain of the cross. Anybody glad that Jesus went to the cross this morning for your sins and my sins? I'm thankful that he endured endured the cross, even though it was painful. And the Bible says it for the joy that was set before him. Oh, it was tough. It was difficult. But thank God in doing it, he won our salvation. He paid the price for our sins. And I will tell you that on the other side of any painful thing that you walk through for the sake of giving something up or yielding yourself to God or making changes that are necessary to make in your life so you can have more, that pain will always be worth the gain you will experience for the joy set before you. There's a joy on the other side of it. The fourth thing is the fear of release. So God comes along and says, okay, I want to make this change in your life. Oh, Lord, what am I going to lose if I make this change? Oh, God, what's it going to cost me if I make this change? God, God, what's, what's the pain? What am I going to feel if I make this change? And then what am I going to have to release? That word release is very similar to the word loss, but I want to talk about it in just a little different fashion for a moment release. There are things that sometimes you just have to let go of in life because whatever you hold on to and you're not willing to let go of, do you know what that thing becomes? It becomes an idol, okay? Anything that God asks you to give up that you're not willing to give up for the sake of your relationship with Him, what does it become? Say it with me, and you say, well, pastor, I don't have any idols in my life. I don't have any like little shells with stuff on it. I don't walk up to little gods and bow down. I'm not, no, most of us don't. But we hold on to stuff in life. And God says, I want you to let go of this because I want a deeper relationship. I want more of a relationship with you. And you say, well, God, I, I don't want to release this. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to a man by the name of Abram. And God says, Abram, I've got an amazing plan for you. I've got a more plan for your life. I want to make out of you a great nation. Abram said, well, God, that's great, but my wife and I, Sarah, we don't have any kids, and I'm 75, and she's, have you seen her recently? Okay, she's old too, okay? And God, you know, you're talking about us having a, a, having a nation, having kids and have, building a nation. We don't have any children, and we can't have children because of our age, and she's barren, we can't do this. And God says, I'm going to give you a son, and out of that son will come a nation. And so Abram And Sarah began to follow God. You can read about it again starting in Genesis chapter 12. And ultimately, after 25 years, God gave Abram and Sarah a little baby boy by the name of Isaac. There's a lot more to the story than than simply that. But after 25 years, Isaac is given to them. Can you imagine the day when Isaac was born and the joy that Abraham must have had? He was 99 when Isaac was born. He's just filled with great joy, excitement, because God has finally given him this amazing gift of a son. He can see how they're going to have a nation. And then you get to chapter 22 of Genesis, and God comes to Abram one day. He's now known as Abraham because he's in covenant relationship with God. And God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, hey, Abe, i got to talk to you for a minute. What is it, God? Here's what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to, I want you to take Isaac... And I want you to go up on Mount Moriah and I want you to build an altar and I want you to take Isaac and I want you to put him on the altar. 
Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that moment for Abraham as you're thinking about, this is my only boy. I waited 25 years for this child to be born. This is the promised seed that you gave me. What are you talking about, God? You're asking me to put that on the altar. And so I'm sure there was a tendency for Abraham to want to grab a hold and say, I'm not going to release this to you, God. This is my boy. God says, no, he's not your boy. He's my boy. He says, I want you to go up to the to the mountain and I want you to build that altar and the Bible says early the next morning that Abraham got up I love that phrase early the next morning he did not resist he didn't fight he submitted early the next morning he got up and he took Isaac with him and they make the journey up Mount Moriah and Abraham has all the wood and the fire and here's Isaac looking at his dad and he says dad look we got we got the wood and we got the fire and I see you got a knife for the sacrifice where's the lamb where's the lamb And there's this conversation that's going on between Abraham and Isaac. And by the time they get to the top of the mountain, Isaac willingly crawls up on that altar. And Abraham now has given up the very thing that had potentially become an idol. You know that good things can become an idol in your life? Are you hearing me? You know? Even blessings from God. God will give you a blessing. You can grab hold of it and say, mine now, God. God never said it was yours. It's always his, okay? And so I think Abraham had done that with Isaac, that now it was all about Isaac. He'd made Isaac an idol, and so now here's Abraham laying Isaac on the altar. And you know the story of how Abraham raised up the knife to begin to take the life of Isaac in obedience to God, and God stopped him in that moment and said, I've seen what's in your heart. You passed the test. You've given him up. He's no longer, you've released him to me. He's no longer an idol. And he he looked to the side, and there in the bushes was a ram. And they got the ram and put it on the altar in place of the son on the altar. And that's a picture of Jesus taking our place for us on Calvary. It's a great story in terms of that. But what I want you to see is that in your life, don't make anything an idol. Because idols will keep you from your best. It will keep you from more. Don't be afraid of releasing in fact, I love what the Apostle John wrote to us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. He said, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. The last one I'll mention here is the fear of rejection. Sometimes we, won't, we'll, we, we refuse to say or resist saying yes to God about a change He wants to make in, in our lives because we're afraid of who may reject us. Who will stop liking me, God, if I get closer to you? If I, if I step it up with my relationship with you? Well, what if I'm not invited to that party anymore? What if I'm not a part of that group anymore? What if these folks uh, cease being my friends? What, what about this, Jesus? I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose these people from my life. We have this fear of being rejected. It's not new to us. It happened during the time of Jesus. In fact, Jesus looked at a group of people one day and and they were resisting him and refusing to walk with him and and the disciples were concerned about it and Jesus just said, let me tell you about them. They, They love the praise of man more than the praise of God. Can I ask you today, whose praise do you love more? Do you love the praise of man or do you love the praise of God? Are you afraid that people are going to reject you if you stand up to be a Christian and say, you know what, I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and I'm going to live for him. I'm going to have a witness, not just with my words, but a witness with my life that stands up and and says, I am a follower of Jesus. Don't let the fear of rejection intimidate you and keep you quiet about your faith. Amen? 
Stand up and say, I am a follower of Christ. Don't let any of the fear of rejection, because I promise you this, there may be people who will reject you along the way. They rejected Jesus. If they rejected Jesus, likely, it's likely they're gonna, some are going to reject you. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who rejects you when the Father accepts you. He's always there to be with you. And so these fears come along the way. And God says, I, I don't settle for less. I made you for more. But if you're going to have more, you've got to change some changes in your life. And the changes I want to do in your life are internal. I want to get inside your heart. I want to do some things about some stuff going on in here, some attitudes, some idols, some stuff inside of you that you need to address. And, and don't let the resistance get in the way and the stubbornness get in the way and pride get in the way. And don't let fear get in the way. The fourth point that I want to share with you very quickly as we move to our last two points together is that in your resistance, God graciously and patiently appeals to you for a season. I just want to tell you for a moment that if you're struggling today about moving on with God, the good news about God is he's, aren't you glad He's a patient God? That He works with you and He appeals to you, but He only does that for a season. He gives you a period of time because He knows you get to make up your mind about what you're going to do. Are you going to change or are you not going to change? And the choice is not really his. The choice is yours. He offers you the choice. He graciously appeals to you to change. But he gives you the final decision. I want to take you to the book of Deuteronomy just for a moment. I want you to see what God did for a group of people that didn't deserve a chance. But he gave them a chance anyway. Let me set up the story for you. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt as slaves, they'd crossed the Red Sea and they headed toward the promised land and God got them right to the edge of the promised land. It's going to be an amazing land for them. It's incredible. Just think they've just come out of Egypt as slaves. Now they're going to have their own land. And they get right to the edge of the promised land. And so Moses said, you know, before we go in, let's send 12 guys in to check it out just to see what it looks like over there. And so 12 spies, 12 guys go in to check it out. They come back. Ten of them say, you know, it's really awesome. Boy, you should see the grapes over there. They're huge. The fruit is amazing. But there are also giants in the land. I just don't think we ought to do this. This is not a good idea. Well, We, we, we can't take those giants on. We should stay back and not, not enter the promised land. So they resisted God's plan for their life. They were stubborn and resistant and unbelieving. And those ten people, ten people turned a whole nation against God out of their negativity. You know that just takes a small group to ruin a big group. Okay? Just a small group of voices can bring negativity in an environment. And these, these ten voices were of negativity turned a whole nation against God with the exception of two men, Joshua and Caleb. Now, if you were God, what would you have done in that situation? You get them right there. You've delivered them from Egypt. And you get the, you're about to give them the promised land. You've promised them that you'll take care of them and get them in. And they say, no, I'm not going in. We don't believe you, God. We don't believe you can do this for us. Now, if I was God, that would be a great time for, like, lightning. <laughs> right? Just to blast a few people and say, let me show you this, okay? Let me just zap a couple of you and maybe we'll talk after that, okay? Wouldn't you agree? Anybody, anybody love to have the power of lightning sometimes, right? Just, just for a little bit, okay? Well, look at what God did. Look here in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29. He moved on Moses and notice what Moses did in this moment. Then I said to you, don't tremble, don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you, will fight for you as you saw him fight for you in Egypt. 
And in the desert, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as parents carried their children. He carried you wherever you went until you came to this place. What you're seeing here is Moses and God saying, no, no, make the right decision. No, no, make the right decision. Don't, don't turn away from this moment. Don't turn away from this opportunity. And I just want to mention this briefly. For some of you here today, maybe, and thank God you're here. You're in the right place today. And God has a wonderful life ahead for you. You can't even imagine the plan that God has for your life. He has a more life for you. And he brought you here today because he wants to lead you to that more life. But it's going to require some change. You've got to make some changes. Because the way you're living is going to keep you down instead of moving you up. It's going to keep you in the desert rather than the promised land. And God today is sending another message to you lovingly saying... Don't say no, say yes, okay? Don't say no to God, say yes to God, as he did to them. Unfortunately, they didn't respond, and that leads me to my last point. It's a very sobering point, a very serious point, but it's a very important point. Stubborn refusal to change results in missed opportunities that may never be recovered. Would you read that, that last point with me together? I want this to really go deep into our hearts and minds today. Would you read together? Stubborn, come on together, all of us. Stubborn refusal to change results in missed opportunities that may never be recovered. When you refuse to change stuff that God is appealing to you to change and working on you to change, you're, if you say no, you're, you're running a major risk in your life, okay? It's, it's risky to say no to God. Not because God's after you. It's risky because you're going to miss something in your life that God planned for you, and you'll have regrets. I, I don't want any of us, myself included, to end up at the, uh, at our, uh, on, our, on our deathbed with regrets. I want to I leave it all in the field for God, don't you, okay? I want to give Him my best, okay? And so you don't want to do this in your life. Because you'll miss opportunities. Let's go back and look at Deuteronomy again. And let's see what happens here with this group of people. In spite of this. Circle that phrase on your notes. In spite of this. That even though Moses appealed to them. God appealed to them. In spite of this appeal that, they, that was given to them. You did not trust in the Lord your God. Who went ahead of you on your journey. In fire by night. and a cloud by day. To search out places for you to camp. And to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said. That is that negative statement. That unbelief. He was angry and solemnly swore. No one from this evil generation. Shall see the good land. I swore to give your ancestors. Except Caleb son of Jephunneh. He will see it. And I will give him and his descendants. The land he set his feet on. Because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Go back with me now to the, to the picture. Remember God brought the children of Israel up to the edge of the promised land, right? You with me here? Okay. And they said, nope, not going to do it. Too big of a task. We're afraid of all those giants over there. We're just not going to do this, God. And so they became resistant to God. And God kept appealing to them. They kept saying no. And God said, okay. Now that you've said no, you made up your mind. So here's what's going to happen. That in spite of what I've tried to do for you, in spite of what I tried to do for you, you've said no. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to turn you around and move you back into the desert. And the whole generation that said no to me will die in the wilderness and never make it into the promised land. I call that a missed opportunity, don't you? 
they missed their opportunity to experience the beauty of the promised land. Why? Because they refused to change. They refused to do what God had asked them to do. And so God sent them back into the wilderness. And that's one more uh, part of this story. And then one final verse I want to read for you as we're wrapping up. Notice verse 40 now, the same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 1. God continues by telling them this is very significant. Turn around, go back into the desert, and follow the road that goes to the Red Sea. I was telling someone earlier today that when I was preparing this message several weeks ago and studying for this particular series and studying this particular passage, I saw something there that I've never seen before. In my entire life of ministry, study the Bible, I've never seen what I saw I'm going to share with you today, but it's very significant. God said, because you said no to me, you were not willing for the more, okay? You said, I'm going to take the less. The more is the promised land, the less is the desert. God said, turn around, I'm sending you back toward the Red Sea. Do you remember where the children of Israel came out of Egypt through what they came through to enter into their journey toward the promised land? They crossed the Red Sea. So here's what you need to know here, okay? Listen closely. That now God is sending them back, back to their past. That when you refuse to go forward with God, you always go backward, okay? When you refuse to step into your future, that destines you to return to your past, okay? You live in the past environment. And so they ended up going back to the very place that had originally been their point of deliverance, but now is a point of bondage to them because they'd missed their moment for more. That's why this little phrase, I will not settle for less, God made me for more, is so important. It's not just a catchy little phrase. I'm not just trying to get you to memorize a a neat little statement. No, that's not what it's about. I want this to get deep down inside you to say, I want all God has for me in my life. And to get there, I've got to make some changes. What is the one thing I need to make? What's the one change that I need to make in my life today? What is the one thing in my attitude? What is the one thing in my heart? What is the one thing in my relationship with God that I need to change today? And then to make sure that there's no pride or fear that keeps you from making that change, realizing that God is appealing to you to do it, and I promise you that when you make it, that you will not miss opportunities, you will gain opportunities. But if you say no, there are consequences. In Proverbs, notice this last verse. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 1. I'm going to conclude with a very sobering verse today. Let me set this up for you just a little bit. So important to understand this. Sometimes when you go to church and I preach to you or you're receiving a message from God, I'm going to send you out all charged up and excited and so thrilled and pumped up with faith that you're ready to go assault hell with a squirt gun. I mean, you're just ready to go, okay? You're just just energized. But sometimes you need to leave church to think a little bit, amen? Okay. Sometimes your time at church provides a moment just to say, let me think about that. It's not just to always be charged up with excitement. Sometimes there's, there's moments of sobering that's good for us to think about. And this is one of those sobering verses that I want to leave you with today. Hopefully not in a, it's certainly not a negative verse, but it's a sobering verse. 
Whoever remains stiff-necked, that is stubborn, after many rebukes, many points of correction, will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. What is that verse saying? That if you keep being resistant to God, you're going to find yourself broken and not able to find the way back. Notice Proverbs 29, verse 1 from the contemporary English version. I want to ask all of our campuses to read this together loud and loudly as we're wrapping up. So let's read. Here we go. If you keep being stubborn after many warnings, you will suddenly discover you have gone too far. If you keep being, what's the word there? Stubborn. If you keep being stubborn after many warnings. You know what a warning is? A warning's not a bad thing. A warning is actually a good thing. I'm so thankful that when I'm driving down a road and there's a curve ahead that, that the, the highway department has thought enough about me to put a little warning sign that says curve ahead or slow down pedestrians crossing the road or whatever it might be. There's a warning there that allows me to prepare for what's coming ahead. So warnings are valuable to us. And God says, let me just warn you here. If you are stubborn and you stubbornly refuse to make changes after You've been appealed to multiple times. Understand that you you pay a price for that in your life. You end up living a life of less rather than a life of more. Today, make the decision as we're wrapping up this series. I will not settle for less. God made me for more. I'm going to change. I'm not going to let my pride or my fear keep me from making the changes that are necessary in my life. Because I don't want to miss God's opportunities that that are best for me. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We're so grateful for speaking to us. Thank you for every person that's here. I thank you that you love them deeply and you care about them. That you have a promised land for every person. And Lord, all throughout all of our campuses, for every person, Lord, that are hearing this message today, that you you are setting them up for great blessing in their life. You're setting them up for wonderful things. And Lord, whatever it is in our life that you want us to address, whatever changes you want us to make, I pray that starting today that our answer to you, our response would be, yes, God, yes, God, no fear will hold us back, that we'll follow you fully, seal this word in our heart by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. 
I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.